Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. So the crowd was divided that day. There were those there who had opened their hearts to the message John had been preaching, and now were opening their hearts to Jesus. And there were those, specifically the religious leaders, who were, in, who were present, who rejected it. We find two groups standing on two different platforms, so to speak. And I ask you this question this morning, where do you stand? With all sincerity, I ask you, where do you stand today as it concerns Jesus the Christ? Have you concluded that God's way, which is Jesus and him alone, is the right way? Or are you determined to find another way? Well, verse 31 takes us away from Luke's commentary and back to the words of Jesus. Words that he speaks about the crowd who was gathered. As Jesus observed the, um, the reactions of the crowd, he said this to them. To what then shall I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? There's a lot of strong evidence that would point to the fact that those words were really directed primarily at the religious elite. But it's a fact that anyone who would walk in their shoes, walk after their worldview, these comments that are about to be said would apply to them as well. To what then shall I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? Jesus goes on to answer his own question, saying that the people referred to are like children. That's what I'll compare you to. I'll compare you to children who are playing wedding and funeral in the marketplace. You say, I don't see that in the text, Pastor Mike. I don't see wedding and funeral there. Well, that is the historical context of the words that Jesus used when he said, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge for you and you did not weep. The context of that was playing games like playing wedding or playing funeral. Puts me in mind of Joe South's song back in the 60s called Games People Play. Perhaps you've heard that song, have you? Oh, the games people play now, every night and every day. Go ahead and help, help me out. Every day now, never meaning what they say now. Oh, that's why, that's why I don't sing on the team. Never saying what they mean. Oh, the games. Yes, we're done. You can sing the rest of that on your own time on the way home. Among the many make-believe games that children would play was to mimic what they saw at weddings, was to mimic what they saw at funerals. And, and, And like often happens among children, one group want to play one game, the other group want to play the other game, and neither group is satisfied to join in with the others. And Jesus uses this common imagery to highlight how many of the people, especially the religious elite, uh, reacted to John the Baptist and to Jesus and their ministry. Through uh, illustrative words, we find that John the Baptist came playing the funeral game, so to speak. John's words were very serious and very somber. 
John came wearing the, 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 the worst of clothing. I mean, there was nothing festive about the way uh, John dressed. He was very minimalist, and, 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 and he, he would eat very meager food, and he would not touch a drop of wine because he had that Nazarite vow thing going on, but, but he, he wouldn't go there. He wouldn't even touch that. And, and the message that he continually brought forth to the people was one of coming judgment, and the need to turn from sin before it's too late. That was John's ministry. And what was the reaction of the crowd, by and large, and especially the religious elite, as they heard John's preaching and saw his lifestyle? They basically said, that man is out of his mind. That man is out of his mind. Jesus said that they actually accused John the Baptist of being possessed by a demon. That man out there in the wilderness who's always talking about judgment, who's wearing some camel hair something with a leather belt and eating locusts and honey. Oh my goodness, that man is demon possessed. Fred, stay away from him. He's dangerous. And think about it. Who but a crazed, demon-possessed man would live such an unpleasant life and preach such an offensive message? So I'm sure those who said that felt very justified in accusing him of this because no one in their right mind would do that. Jesus, on the other hand, Jesus came playing the wedding game. You know, Jesus was no stranger to laughter and celebration. The Apostle John records in his gospel that Jesus attended a specific wedding feast. And while he was there, he even, when they ran out of wine, took jars of water and turned them into wine so that the the celebration could continue on unhindered. We find as we read the gospels that Jesus regularly dined with both believing and unbelieving people, feasting at their table and drinking their wine. We know that while Jesus could preach a very somber message, he was nonetheless known for identifying himself as the bridegroom. He talked about himself that way. The bridegroom who's looking for a bride, and that bride, the symbolism there is he was looking for followers, and he invited anyone and everyone to join him in the joys of his kingdom. And what was the reaction of the crowds, by and large, and the religious elite to the way Jesus came approaching ministry. Well, they accused him of being a glutton. They accused him of being a drunkard. They accused him of associating with tax collectors. In fact, he invited one of them to come and be in his inner circle of 12 guys. And, of course, the tax collectors, remember, they were the scourge of the Jewish culture, right? And he was a friend of sinners, Now, truth point number two this morning tells us this, that although approaching the issue from different ends of the pole, Jesus and John's message was nonetheless the same. And their message was this, is that God's appointed one, the Messiah, is the only way to God. That was their message. Didn't matter which way they were coming at it, whether a very austere type ministry or a very friendly, outgoing, easily accessible ministry, the message was exactly the same. The Messiah that God has sent is the only way to come to God. And in fact, Jesus makes that very clear 
John chapter 14, verse 6, when he said, I am the way, help me with it, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That is a very exclusive message. It's not an inclusive one. And John preached that message, and Jesus preached that message, and didn't matter which side of of the pole they fell on, the crowds were going, hey, I don't like this. You're demon-possessed, and you're just, you're a loose liver over there. Truth point number three tells us that walking with the Messiah requires turning from the old paths of works-based righteousness to embrace the new path of faith-based righteousness, that being the righteousness of the Messiah. That was the message. You've got to walk away from the works And you've got to embrace the righteousness of the Messiah. Now, overall, the masses and certainly the religious elite rejected both of them. They were blinded by sin's deception. They rejected the light of the gospel. And they chose instead to walk in the darkness of human effort. There's a lot of people who still do that today. No matter how much we preach, no matter how much we write books, no matter how many gospel songs we write, no matter how winsome we try to be or how tough we try to be, it doesn't really matter. The world continues to fall in that same pattern. Many, most people tend to go their own way. And what should that cause us to do then? It should cause us to pray. It should cause us to fall on our knees and call out to the Lord asking for his light to take away the darkness, for his light to remove the deception, for his truth to find its way somehow into the inner part of who they are so that they also can come to the truth that Jesus Christ is here to save. He is here to take away your sins. He is here to give you everlasting life. And our position should be one that we are eager and ready and actually intentional about praying for those people. And if, by God's grace, he brings one of them across our path, we need to be ready to tell them how they can know Jesus Christ. That's why it's important for you to have an answer to the question, what is the gospel? Because if you're sitting with that person who works with you, If you're talking to one of your relatives and you're having a very serious conversation because one of your loved ones has passed away, or you're sitting in the hospital with a friend who's got a very bad diagnosis and is concerned about their life and how long it's going to last, and you're having a very serious conversation and they say, I know that you're a Christian. Yeah, that's right, I am. That means you believe in Jesus, right? Uh Uh-huh. Well, I've heard about the gospel. Can you tell me what it is? Uh, Excuse me just a minute. I want to go out in the hall and call the pastor. (laughs) Wrong answer. Oh, you are to be equipped with being able to tell them the baseline truth about the gospel and then right from there, take them a little bit deeper so they understand more about what it means. Listen, that's why we exist as a church. That's what we're doing on Wednesday nights. That's what Pastor Brett came from Utah to help us become. And he's doing a great job doing it. He's equipping us. He's teaching us. He's helping us to understand how to be intentional. And we need to be that people who suck it up like it's cotton candy. Because it is. Once you actually learn that it's not impossible to preach the gospel and share the gospel with others, and you actually do it, it's like, wow, that was awesome. And you want to do it some more. Because what better news is there than this, that God has made a way 
for sins to be forgiven, to be adopted into his family, and to have eternal life with him. What better news is there than God has provided that way through somebody that we can look to, and that somebody is Jesus Christ, his son. Well, as we come to verse 35, we find this occasion ends with an interesting statement by Jesus. He's made a couple of them here in this, in this uh, occasion. And he says this, he says, Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. <laughs> what in the world does that mean? Well, in short, the word wisdom there is a reference to the ministries of both John the Baptist and of Jesus. The rejecting world said those ministries are of no value. The rejecting world says that those ministries only proclaimed a message that called you to a pointless exercise of faith. They said that conventional wisdom tells us that anything that we get that is good in this world, we must work for to get it. We must earn it, right? Isn't that what you were taught? Isn't that what you were taught? Or were you taught good things come to those who just lay around on the couch? I know better. I know that you all, as well as I, was taught from being a little child that if you're going to get anything good in this life, you've got to earn it and you've got to work for it. And that very well may be true among men, but it has no truth when it comes to right standing with God. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission. On Mission.